Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to this podcast. And for more information, go to johnwarrenmedia.com. We have a special guest today in our series of interviews with young people. His name is Cade McManus. He's 17 years old. He's a rising high school senior. His family moved from Ohio to Central Florida. He plays soccer. I invited Cade to the podcast because of his vast knowledge of government and politics. He's one of those students I mention from time to time who would surprise older generations and really gives us hope in the future. He's one of those students who is going to change the world for good, I believe. Welcome, Cade. Thanks for having me. All right. After that big introduction, now I want to hear your story. I want you to tell the Relentless Truth audience about yourself, your life to this point. You're 17 years old, but you've had an interesting life. Your family made a big move. So just tell us about who Cade McManus is. Well, like uh, Mr. Warren said, I'm originally from Ohio. I was born in Dayton, Ohio. Moved down here to Florida in my eighth grade, so around, I forget what year it was, but we've been down here for almost four years, and um, moved down here because my dad got a job down here. A little hotter here than it was in Ohio. Yeah, really hotter. It took a little time to get used to the weather. I don't think I'm still used to it, but I like to say that I am kind of uh always played soccer all my life uh still do came to florida it was pretty difficult to just get acclimated to everything because of the culture change and everything like that just completely flipped and uh yeah my life has i mean wouldn't say really difficult but at the same time it's not been easy i have a bone disease so it it makes life a little harder throughout the day, but I get through it every day. And so, <laughs> now we know each other from class, from a high school class and uh, classes. And I didn't know that you have a bone disease. You handle it so well, and you're one of those students I would call exemplary. Are you comfortable talking about what that is and what you have to do to to deal with it? Yeah, so it's the medical term is osteochondromas, or another word for it is MHG or multiple hereditary exostosis. But the dumbed down version of it is uh, bone masses. So, what they are is they're actual bone mounds, I guess you could say, that grow off of my bones and can rub against ligaments, joints, nerves, anything like that. And pretty much what I have to have done not every single year but most years is i have to get a surgery if they get like really big and they hurt a lot so i've probably had almost 14 surgeries for this just uh uh this bone disease 
Now, yeah. Now, let me ask you this: is is this a is this a chronic condition that you'll have the rest of your life, or is this something that you know is it is it a pediatric issue, or could you describe your prognosis? Well, depending. So, my doctor said that I could get rid of it, like it wouldn't hurt by the age of twenty. So I'm hoping that I don't have to have this anymore after the age of 20, but I don't know yet. (laughs) Wow. Well, in our defense, I should say to the audience, to the listeners of The Relentless Truth, I should say that we met each other while during a year when students wore masks. And I talk on the first day of class, I get the students to talk about their stories. And I miss this. If you mentioned it, I don't know that you did, but wow, you just never know the burden that another person is carrying around. Is this, this sounds Kate, it sounds rare to me uh, it, it, because I, I haven't heard of it before. Is, is it a rare disease or, or is it more common than I realize? So in the grand scheme of people, say so you take all the population. Uh, it is very rare in all of the population, but if you take the people who actually have bone diseases, it's not that rare. The most common one is the one that most people know is breaking a bone. So your bones break very easily. Right. That's not mine. That's like, it's a rare form of that, but at the same time in the bone disease population, it's not that rare. So. Well, I, I just want to shift to something else real fast. and And that is, I would imagine people hearing this are thinking, now, wait a minute, he just said he plays soccer. How in the world do you do that? Do you have to overcome a lot of pain to even endure a practice or go get onto the field for a game? Some days it's, it's weird because some days I can feel like I can climb Mount Everest. Um, but other days I can't even get out of bed. It just depends on one. If they got hurt, if they got hit, then it hurts a lot more. Two, it's the weather also. So in Ohio, it was colder. And my doctor described it as people with arthritis. The cold weather hurts them more than the warmer weather. Right. So sometimes it is uh, I have to take like medicine painkillers to actually play or practice. Some days I don't have to do that. But usually I try to go through it no matter what, just because that's always what I've done. Wow. Well, I didn't know that. You've kind of thrown me off my game here because I, I, I wanted you to be on here because you are, you are such a good student. And in our discussion in classes, you always know the material. You, you're an informed young man. I, I, I'm trying to resist saying for your age because you, you, you would make most adults very proud where does that come from? Or is it, is it a, is your family just engaged in, in government politics and thinking and ideology? Can you just talk about that quickly? And then I want to ask you a couple of questions about the transition from Ohio to Florida. My family has really always been informed. I mean, it got more towards this recent election. I kind of got more towards into it because we were in government and politics, uh, government and economics. So I kind of always went towards that side of it. And I always like learning new things about government and about history. So that kind of politics kind of, I went towards that direction and 
it was just something to listen to while I was doing my homework or while I was doing something. So I learned a lot from that. And I mean, we've always been informed. So, and, and it's been a little more exciting over the last few years, just in yeah. terms of news in general and young people who are your age, who are, uh, you know, high school, 11th and 12th graders, even college students, even grad students and young adults have kind of grown up in a much more volatile political environment where we seem to take sides and the sides are a bit more remarkable and distinct. And the public discourse in the last few years has kind of become ugly. And I, I worry about that for this generation. We had, as you know, some interesting discussions in class, didn't we? Yeah, we had some really interesting this, some conversations, some that made me think about things and do more research is other thing that I, I like to do is do more research on things that might not seem that simple to me. Well, we had we had discussions that made me go do more research too. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so I hear you. All right, I want to just talk quickly because I think I heard you say was it after your eighth grade year in school that you moved to Florida? No, it was during my eighth grade year. So okay. I graduated seventh grade and we moved down here in the summer and. So, so you made I, a big move. Basic. You made a big move in the middle of middle school. Yes and no, because for me, I went to a, a elementary school, so all elementary, and so we had to go to a different school in seventh grade. Uh, so I only had one year at this new school, and then I changed schools again. And so, you, and you came to Florida, and and did you have any friends here when you arrived? Uh no. Wow. And and now you do. Yeah. So, so you've, you've gotten acclimated between Dayton, Ohio and Central Florida. Are, are there cultural differences at your age or or is it kind of true that that kids are kids? Young people are young people. For me, it was kind of at that age where you started to notice things and started to kind of get older and know more things. So it was a, definitely a cultural change for me. Maybe not for my younger siblings, but for me, it was a culture change. Yep. Well, and we'll leave the weather and discussion of the weather off to the side. We happen to, while we're recording this, have a, a hurricane on the way. And I, I'm sure in Ohio you have other uh, weather issues. I'm aware of some of them because I do some business there. But th this is uh, definitely a, can be a challenging weather environment, not to mention the heat and humidity. But I want to change gears and... And I appreciate you telling your story. I know a little bit about your character and how you're wired. And I want you to talk about things that your generation, from, from your vantage point, would like older generations to know about you. One of, the, one of the advantages I have getting to be in the classroom, and that can be a challenging environment for a teacher, but one of the real blessings of it uh, is to get to know this generation well. And I... I probably have more confidence in this generation than maybe people who don't get to meet all of you as uh, thoroughly as I do. So would you just talk about the things that, from your perspective, your generation would like older generations to know about you? Yeah. So one thing is that some of us think on our own. We can think on our own a lot. It's not like where most of us are brainwashed or something like that. We can think on our own and do research. Some of us are very intelligent 
to the point where we can make our own decisions on what we hear. So just knowing that we can think on our own if possible (laughs) is one big thing. And I mean, I don't know what else there is, but... Well, you just you just described something, Cade, that I I have heard from. I've interviewed several people, uh, students your age and a little older, and that is one of the things they they say it differently. But one of the things they say, and I've sensed this for many years in the classroom, is you know we're not really adults yet, but we're also not kids. And from a thinking standpoint, from from a processing standpoint, we're capable. We might not have all the discernment and the the wisdom that you get from age, but we, we are capable of a lot of students will say thinking like adults, dealing with adult information, dealing with information on an adult level, nuanced thinking. And that is certainly true of you. You are, you are as astute as any student I've had the pleasure of, of teaching on politics, government, the economy and related topics. Would you just take each one of those? Let's, let's go politics first. Cause that might be the most interesting and talk about our current environment, if you would. And by current environment, I mean, what do you think of Donald Trump and his presidency? What do you think of the Biden presidency? Where are we politically as a society? Well, let's start with the Donald Trump presidency. I didn't get into it in the beginning. I got in it more towards the end of it. Uh, I think it was good, both economically and politically. If you look at everything that Donald Trump did, whether or not you agree with it or not, he lowered gas prices, which was pretty big back then. He also like cut the jobs, unfilled jobs in like half or more. And politically, he did a lot of things. He uh, made deals with countries that before him thought were impossible, like going with Russia, going with, Iran, those Middle Eastern countries, making a deal with them, making more deals with China to make sure that we're not exposed as much as we were. Like Russia, getting close to Russia, whether or not that's good or not, he still went there more than, I don't know more than any other president, but he still like went there and made deals with them. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Biden presidency, it's all been a shambles right now. When it was starting to go, it was horrible. Like right now, gas prices are higher than they were before Trump's presidency. Everything is worse. If you look at what Biden did in the leaders uh, thing that they had, I think it was G7 convention or something like that. Right. You could see the picture of Putin and Biden And Putin was looking like he's not scared at all anymore. Because of Biden, he lost that kind of respect for America, for other countries. China coming to, I think it was Alaska or somewhere like that, and beating us down on our own turf was horrible for us because we were the ones that everybody should be scared of. Now, everybody isn't scared of us and we're scared of everybody else. So it's just, do you think it's, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do you think it's a, are, are are you saying we're not as respected today as we were a year or two ago? No, we're not. No, 
because of it, people might say Donald Trump's character is horrible. I think Donald Trump's character was good enough for this presidency because you need uh, with these global leaders, they have power that can destroy us in a minute. And yet Donald Trump's character can calm people down and also tear and also um, kind of make other people respect us because of what he can say and what he can actually do. Yep. He, you know, you're a nuanced thinker. And so you see, you see the good and bad, you see both sides of a lot of coins and you would probably agree that you just said that from a leadership standpoint, from a global leadership standpoint, Donald Trump had some significant strengths and he did give our nation a bit more confidence. Gas prices were better. He was good for the economy. He did some good trade deals, had some other things in the works. But on the weakness side, you would probably cringe a bit at some of his tweets and some of his communication. Am I right about that? I mean, some of them, yeah, but most of them, no, because you have to think about it. He's from New York. And New Yorkers are... <laughs> and he's a developer. I mean, yeah, it, not not to say that New Yorkers are... They're out there, I guess you could say. I mean, he's a New Yorker. He's He's a businessman. He's tough. You, you'd ex- yeah, he's tough. He doesn't care about what you say about him or what you want to do to him. He doesn't care. So you have to think about all that. And some of his tweets, maybe I would say don't do that. But he's Donald Trump's Donald Trump. You can't really do anything against what he says or what he does because of his background and his character and everything around him. It just, I can see why people are like, why would you tweet that or something like that? But at the same time, this is what he's done all his life. So, yeah. So let's shift gears because we could talk about politics for a long time. Let's switch to just government itself. Uh, Donald Trump talked about this, this matter of a, a deep state. You hear conservatives say that a lot. What, what do you think about our government today and this, this notion of a deep state? Well, I might need to know what deep state is again. <laughs> well, it's kind of this notion that sort of lifelong bureaucrats uh, within government control the narrative and, and really control government. And Trump would, would kind of battle that, that group that just, without being elected, sort of ran the government. Yeah, I mean, you can see that now. Days uh, with the people. I mean, you look at what the politicians are technically getting paid in the houses that they have, or the cars that they have, or the things that they have. What they're getting paid on cannot pay for those things. Yeah, in other you words, in other words what, what you're saying is there. There's more to this than we see in terms of you look at yeah. you look at government salaries, and and there's there's just no way they could accumulate the kind of worth that they do. No, so then you have to think, what are they wanting for all this money to give all this money for? What what do they want in return? Yeah, you know, we've, and then, we've talked in class about the fact that when a congressperson gets elected, they they go down the street from the Capitol because they're not allowed to do fundraising at the Capitol, but they have to put in, especially as junior members of the House and Senate, they have to they have to put in a lot of time dialing for dollars, doing, doing fundraising. Fun, the funding is a big part of 
the operation of our government, the political side of funding is a big part of our government, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a huge part. It's because people can, big corporations can say, I want this from you. I want you to do this for this amount of money. And I think that's corruption also because, or some form of corruption, because at the same time you have, you can, you have a bad corporation that wants you to do this for them to get them to the point where they can make more money and right. you can corrupt like the government and stuff like that. And it's bad. Well, speaking of which, you know, we, we've talked in class and you, you really understand well, this concept of the government deciding winners and losers in the economy. I wonder from your perspective at this point in your, your education and at this point in kind of growing up as a young adult, what do you see in the economy right now? How's it doing? Uh, do you have confidence in where it's headed or, or do you worry, worry about it? This, this point that you're entering, I remember it being stressful for a number of us. I, I kind of didn't recognize it until college. And we would, we would sort of commiserate saying, wow, the jobs market isn't so great or, or this or that is, is a strength of the economy, but there are some weaknesses. How, how does your generation, how do you specifically feel about the economy today? What do you think of it? And, and what do you think about the prospects for the future? Right now, I think the economy is going to crash, I think. Once September hits, I think it's going to crash because of all the stimulus checks and and all of these checks that people are getting for being unemployed, it is going to definitely dip down. And I, I think that this economy, how it's going, it will pretty much fall. And I think when I'm in college or when I'm above college, it's kind of going to be a mess for me because this economy will fail at this point, I think. And what's that going to look like? Are you, when you say September, I'm proud of you for, for uh, uh, making a, a bold prediction on that, but do you think the stock market will crash? Is that, is that kind of one of the things that'll happen? Yeah, because of the, I think it's September. It might not be September when the Biden administration will uh, stop sending out stimulus checks. And so then people won't be able to put money into the stock market or do other things. And so that will just fall because they're out of money. They're out of jobs there. They need to pay off things. So the stock market will go down, I think. Yeah. It reminds me of the 1920s. Not that I was around in the 1920s, but it reminds me of the roaring twenties because we, we took on so much consumer debt and we're doing that again. We've got, all this government funding that we didn't have back then. So it's not perfectly analogous, but, it, but it's close. And so, yeah, I worry about that too. I, I don't know when it happens. Uh, usually it's in October when we have a yeah. big, big stock market adjustment and, and that, that could happen. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, when, when you look at all of this, Cade, what, what do you think the biggest challenges are for young people your age? Are they, are they practical or are they ideological? What, what do you see as the, the big concerns that you and your friends actually have? The concerns that I have are most people, I know I said in the beginning that we can do our own research, but at the same time, most people don't do their own research for my generation. 
we we think we hear something and then we automatically assume that's right and that's not how we, i think that we should go because at the same time you can end up having very bad ideas that sound good but in turn are horrible and if you do your research and you still think that's correct i can't fault you at that that's your research that's your opinion but if you go up to me and you say i didn't do that much research on it and i still think that it's right at that point i think you need to do more research you need to find out what what this actually is because it can destroy our economy. It can destroy our, our, our nation. And also I think people need to stop like wanting to please everyone and wanting to accommodate for everyone. And because the other thing is with, I guess you can say snowflakes is they can't take a joke or, or something that offends them. And that's a really big part of, what my generation is is snowflake and so i think people need to start getting tougher skin and start realizing that jokes are jokes not everybody is racist not everybody is homophobic i think i get that mixed up every yeah, time that's right. um that's right let me interrupt you and ask you this i agree with you and I, i've had other students tell me here on this podcast that one of the problems is that information comes at you so fast, your generation and, and, you know, comes at me now too, so fast. And obviously the uh, big tech environment is part of the problem. Part of it is just the data. There's so much data available. There's, there's so many information sources that are available and it's just coming at you fast. And a lot of times I didn't know until a few years ago, what trending meant on the internet, on social media, but now a tweet or a nine second video will trend and i think what you're saying is that's that's really where a lot of americans and and this is true of not just your generation of uh, all the way through mine and older get their information from little sound bites and tweets we we used to say that they would just get their information from you know a, a one or two minute segment on the nightly news on a major network and even that wasn't sufficient but now you know, something that's trending can can turn our heads. And I think that's what you're talking about, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yes. And the big corporations like Facebook, Twitter, also censoring things that they don't agree with is another big part of why this generation could fail. Because this generation is the first generation, I think, to have internet, to have access to everything underneath the sun. You can look up anything. You can do anything on the internet and not having and having censored things. People can't express their opinion. I will respect your opinion, even though I might not like it. I still respect your opinion because that's your opinion. And these big tech is, are not respecting people's opinions because they don't agree with it. And that's, you know, you make a you make a good point, and I'm interrupting you again. But but you know, you the, a discussion of the media would be interesting as well. That that's part of the problem in the media and big tech. And is big tech a member of the media, or is it not? Is it is it a platform? And those are those are complex issues. But I know I know people listening right now. Some skeptics might be thinking, 
wow, how is this guy, how does he have these well-formed opinions? I know that you're grounded in truth and you see the world pretty clearly. You're open to the notion that you're right on some issues and wrong on others. I've actually watched you in class discussions. I've seen you do this where, where you're, you're, you're not that uh, kind of that flamethrower in class who just obliterates uh, arguments that are flawed. You're kind and you're a gracious young man. How did this happen? This, this grounding in truth and yet this character that you have, and, and I'm going to use a word that I don't like using in this format, but could you explain your worldview, how you see the world? So I kind of see it through it. I guess you could say a different lens. So I use kind of like context and history and my favorite subject in, in school is history. So I use history as kind of what happened in history. What does this look like? What does the world look like? What period of history? And try to figure out what's wrong with this right now. And like you said, I kind of know that I'm grounded in truth. I know that this is true. It's just some people are wired different. And you need, and I can, the way that people talk to some people can set them off. And I don't like to do that, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So I, I respect other people's opinions and I respect that I may be wrong, but I don't think that I'm wrong. And, kind and, of like that. And, and does part of that and, historical look at his, at truth, does that include scripture? Does that include biblical truth? Yeah, it's a little difficult for me because I look at like, like I was saying, I look at a time period. So take this one and look at, say, the 1920s or something like that. It's a little difficult for me because I can't wrap my head around all of the Bible and knowing everything about the Bible. Right. So kind of that I can't wrap my head around. So I use like one, the history that I know a lot about or that seems so common thought that it I can use that for something. So, but I try to use scripture sometimes. Right. Well, we're all developing in, uh, in that regard that, uh, that is a, uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking to some educators in a couple of weeks about that concept and that, uh, knowing, knowing scripture and applying it to, how we live is really one of the purposes of uh, Relentless Truth podcast. This Relentless Truth podcast. So, it's a challenging subject. Let's say it that way. And there, there are so many principles for us to learn that inform us in terms of absolute truth. I want to get you to react to one more thing, and we're we're out of time here. But I want to I want to just hear you talk about this notion of the media and and their agenda. This. I try not to use the words cancel culture, but but this you alluded to it a few minutes ago, and it really piques my interest to hear your view on this. This this you could have done something or said something, even a tweet five years ago, has gotten people fired in academia. I'm thinking of in particular, or in a woke corporation, where perhaps the person's view, perhaps they were young. I can think of one case. I can't remember her name, but a young lady was was even a minor. She was your age. She was 17 when she tweeted something and got canceled in recent days. What, what do you, can you comment on that? What do you think of that? Where, where, where does that come from? What's that all about? 
I think it comes from the fact that people want you to respect them, but they don't want to respect you kind of type thinking. So it, it's very dangerous. Cancel culture is very dangerous because people don't want to speak their own voice. And yet now sometime like last year, it was at the point where you wanted to speak your own voice. You needed to speak your own voice. And yet you were put down because you were speaking your own voice. And I mean, everybody, it's the hypocrisy also is, is another big thing. I mean, you take BLM wanting black lives to matter yet killing innocent black cops and black people on the streets and them not real, really realizing that they they were a part of their association, I guess you could say. Like the hypocrisy and everything is another big thing about this generation that is going to bite us, I guess you could say, because of just I want you to do this, but you don't. But I don't have to do that type. Thinking, yeah, that's very dangerous. Yeah, Cade, you're you're a nuanced thinker, and you think through things deeply. And I know I'm asking you to react here in this interview, this conversation. You're uh, reacting on the fly, but um, you you give me confidence in future generations. I know what a thinker you are, how well re- uh, grounded you are, and how you rely on absolute truth. And you've demonstrated that in the classroom week after week uh, through subject after subject. And I know it's, uh, you know, you move, I was just thinking you move from Dayton, Ohio to central Florida, and then, and then you tell the truth in a podcast uh, all within a, all within a four year period. And I, I really uh, appreciate you being here very much. I'm glad that you called me because this was fun. All right. Well, folks, please uh, like, share, review, and subscribe. And for more information on The Relentless Truth, go to johnwarrenmedia.com. Our guest has been Cade McManus. It is good to have him here. I hope this restores your confidence in future generation. It certainly does so for me. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.